Welcome to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. This is Sean, and today will be Season 3, Episode 4, where we'll be featuring the 2019 Teacher of the Year, Dr. Stacy Curtis. With her, we will be discussing her approaches to life and her impact in pharmacy. We will also talk about the new Community Pharmacy Residency Program and how it prepares you for the next steps in community practice. Without further ado, please welcome Dr. Stacy Curtis, who will be interviewed by Riley. All right, good afternoon, everybody. This is another episode of the Capsule Podcast. And today we're really lucky to have one of our faculty members, Dr. Stacy Curtis, with us. So you want to introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. You already know me. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I think everybody knows me. But I'm Stacy Curtis. I'm from the Gainesville campus. And I'm sitting in my office at the Gainesville campus with Riley. And we're both sitting here saying how tired we are. And it's only Monday. So we're <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, should we make this lively? Or are we going to be able to make it lively? So We're going to try our best yes. for everybody here. So thank That's you right. for tuning in. Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit with Dr. Curtis about her place in pharmacy and the awesome impact that she makes and just dive into some of the details she can give us about things she does on a daily basis and the way that she does her community practice. So our first question is actually going to be a little bit about the way that you impact us, I think, just in life. So if you haven't heard this saying before, you're probably going to hear it over some point in your next four years. But Dr. Curtis typically tells us that you're never fully dressed without a smile, which we just looked up was from the movie Annie, um, which I think is a great quote. So first question is, how would you say that this slogan applies to the way that you approach life and your impact in pharmacy? So actually, it affects me a couple of ways. I would say the first... The first um, way it really affects me is personally. Um, I get dressed every morning just like all of you. You know, we take showers. We get our hair fixed. We put on makeup. We pick clothes. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I pick four outfits before I land on the fifth outfit that, okay, I'll wear that today. But really, I would say none of that is as important as putting on the smile because everybody has a lot of things going on in their background of their lives as we were sitting here talking about how tired we are and it's only Monday and just how we're always going nonstop. But when I'm communicating with patients, uh, all the things that are going on in the background of my life really um, is something that I put on the back burner. And I really like to put on the smile, especially when I'm at work in the classroom or in the pharmacy, because I want my outward expression to match my inward heart. And um, for the most part, I would say 98% of the time, I am always a pretty happy person. And I think having a smile on my face kind of emulates what's going on in my heart. So um, not necessarily happiness, but joy and choosing to be joyful and choosing to be positive over negative. There's a lot of things that go on in the background of life for all of us that could really get us down or turn our, you know, our smile upside down to a frown. But really, it's about what's going on on the inside and making sure it's expressed on the outside. Even I'm going to just flip that even when things aren't going well and we're not doing good or we are being rushed or we are super busy, putting on the smile is a, is a reminder of 
hey, let's turn this frown upside down. Let's let's make sure that we're representing ourselves well. And um, I don't know. I just think it's kind of important. I think it's important to smile. Um, it also improves, I feel like, communication. When people see each other smile at each other, it's more of a welcome and it's more of a greeting. And um, it's just a friendly reminder that we're all humans and we're all just living our best life, right, Brian? <laughs> I think it definitely opens you up in conversation for sure. Um, I know that I'm sure when you guys are doing your lectures with us or in class with us, you can definitely notice too our perception of things if students are smiling or sitting there or we're looking tired um, and all those things. So I know that when, definitely like you said, if you have that bright disposition when you're communicating with someone, it does kind of open everything up for everybody. People feel a little more relaxed and more comfortable and able to communicate in that environment. Right. Um, I think question off of what we just discussed too would be, what would you say to a student or even faculty or anyone that is at our college, you know, what would be your suggestion on those days that we are maybe not our best or it is one of those bad days or things are overwhelming? How would you say that we can best um, maybe just get through that day? Because we're not always going to be 100% at our best, but how would you suggest to someone, you know, on those days where things are a little wonky and it's really not the day that we're maybe feeling the best or something has happened outside of school that is affecting us. Yeah, that that actually is a really great question because some people say fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear that all the time. Oh, fake it till you make it. Um, but really it's smiling is making it right. So we might not on the inside feel our best all the time. I mean, that's probably all of us all the time. I don't know that anyone actually feels their best like every day, right? <laughs> um, but I, I feel like it's an opportunity for us to just be a better self, be a better version of who we are. So listen, I can tell you there's been many a days where you're running late, you're running around. Today's a great example. Today's orientation here at the college and the one PDs are on campus and it was Alachua County's first day back to school. And I had no idea that the Alachua County Schools started today because my kids don't go to Alachua County Schools. So I left my house at the normal 7.40 a.m. during the summer because I still, in my mind, we have one more week, right? Mm -hmm. So I leave my house at 7.40 to pull out of my neighborhood to find that there's a school bus right at my front of my neighborhood stop to pick up kids. And I'm like... No. And at that moment, the realization. Yeah, the realization yeah. hits, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to make it to work in 20 minutes. I'm going to be late for now my 815 meeting. And the rest of the day is going to kind of snowball. And so it's just like, okay, you know, let's give it our best shot. And so just remembering that. But also not being mindful just about your own um, life and what's going on in your background, background, but remembering that everybody has these things going on in their mm-hmm. background. And so even when you're in the community pharmacy or in the hospital pharmacy and you run into people, you don't have any clue what's going on in their background. And so what's going on in their background really is affecting how they're acting, how they're speaking, how they're looking. And they're, that Mayo Clinic, or excuse me, the Cleveland Clinic has that video on empathy. I don't know if y'all have seen it where the people are walking around and the bubbles are popping up over their head about what's going on in their life. Well, it's the same thing for us. So just being mindful of what other people might be going through and just remembering just to be your best. I mean, that's all we can ever do is put our best foot forward, even in the really days that are pretty junky, you know, just put your best foot forward and keep moving on and, you know, 
do do your best. That's it. <laughs> I definitely agree with all of that. Um, and I think it's a really good way to to be able to get through some of those days when you might not be at that 100%. Um, but I think at the end of the day, as long as you're trying, right. as long as you're there and you put forth that effort, it's like you get to the end of the day and every day is new. So right. we go to bed and we try again yep. the next day. So I think that's definitely helpful, especially for all of our students that are going into this new semester. Exactly. Um, so we also wanted to ask you about this new residency program that you have created, um, which I'm super excited about the new resident that you have this year, Dr. Yep. Garrett Smith. Yes, we have um, two residents, Dr. Garrett oh, Smith really? and Dr. Angelina Vassimini. Very cool. So yeah. that's so exciting. Um, with this new residency program, so what we've heard is that it focuses on advanced community practice. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to know what are some of the skills that this residency might provide to a student that... You may not learn if you're going directly from graduation just straight into community practice. Okay, so first off, let's start by saying um, the community pharmacy residency has been in the making. We've been trying to get this together for over a year and a half. Okay. And um, Dean Johnson, when we finally were able to present the idea to her, she was on board when we gave her the stats of the other top 10 College of Pharmacies and their residency programs. So she was very supportive as soon as we mentioned it to her. And it was actually recommended, why don't we have two instead of one? Because the ultimate goal is to have one at each campus. So one Orlando, one Jacksonville, one Gainesville, okay. which I think is super awesome that she's supportive of, of having one of these positions at each of our campuses. Um, in addition to that, have, being a part of the community pharmacy residency, you're thinking, well, why would that be any different than going straight into community pharmacy? Well, it's really for the person who doesn't just want to be a community pharmacist. They really also want to have an emphasis on academia as well as ambulatory care. So our residency program is set up a little bit different than typical residency mm -hmm. programs. You know, they do... Um, rotations in a residency program like you might be an administrative for a month or you might be here so we don't do it like that ours is a longitudinal experience where our pharmacy our pharmacists work two and a half days approximately per week in their community pharmacy site mm -hmm. it is in an independent pharmacy we're all also hoping to get a um, corporate pharmacy <laughs> on board with that too but I can't mum's the word on that <laughs> so um two and a half days a week in the community pharmacy one full day a week in the classroom teaching with teaching responsibilities in skills lab and some of our patient care courses with transcending concepts and then on top of that they're also working in some of our ambulatory care clinics so here in Gainesville our anticoagulation clinic and also in Columbia County, we are doing the HIV clinic. We're doing chronic disease state management in clinics. Because as we all move forward in community pharmacy, it's not just your status quo community pharmacy. I mean, we have to be prepared to, to practice at the top of our license. And if we are going to be providers and get provider status, we need to be training our pharmacists to be providers. And essentially, that's what this residency is doing. It is training community pharmacists to be providers of healthcare outside of just filling prescriptions. That's not what we want to do anymore. We want to keep pushing the ceiling of our practice and our licensing higher and higher. We've done that with MTM now. We've done that with immunizations. Um, 
we want also prescribing rights one day, you know, to be able to prescribe medications and be able to triage certain disease states at our pharmacies. So we're just hoping to prepare our pharmacy residents for that next step. Level up people, right? <laughs> Level up pharmacists. I think what you said, too, about the next step and looking forward to that for pharmacy, a lot of times the next step might not be created yet. Right. So even if it's something that we're thinking about of where we want to go or things we want to do in pharmacy, I know that even as a student, when we have gone to events like Legislative Days, pharmacists will tell us how when they were in school, we weren't able to immunize yet, and now it is something that we can do. That's correct. And it's pretty amazing to see how... You might be in school and have these ideas and places that we want to go with our profession, and it might not be the possibility yet, but to think about years from now when it could be. That's right. It could be the reality. That's right. So think about this, collaborative practice agreements. You've all heard of that. Both of our residents work in a community pharmacy where they have collaborative practice agreements in place, Mm -hmm. and they have access to physicians' EHRs. So legitimately this morning, one of our residents was sitting in my office. She was doing some of her teaching responsibilities and her pharmacist at her site said, Hey, could you get in? Would you mind helping jumping on and verifying scripts and putting through some PAs? So she legitimately from the university of Florida college of pharmacy logged into the EHR in the pharmacy in Jacksonville, Florida, verified some input you know, input verification scripts, and then also made recommendations for drug changes straight into a patient's EHR, had it approved within minutes Mm -hmm. to change therapy based off a formulary (laughs) on a patient's insurance company, and then verified the input of that prescription so that it could be filled in the pharmacy from Gainesville to Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, that's level up, right? That's way higher than I was even two years ago. I mean, most of our corporate pharmacies are not doing that yet because they do not have collaborative practice agreements with physicians and physician groups. So seeing that change happen right before my eyes, eyes, like right here, right now, (laughs) Riley. Yeah. I mean, where are we going to be in five years? Dude, I want to get there first. And that's why we put this residency in place because we want to level up. That's pretty amazing. It sounds like a lot of great opportunities, especially, like you said, for someone who is really interested in community, but wants to definitely be practicing at the top of their license. Absolutely. With all the skills that they've learned from our college. So, right. Very, very cool. Um, So our next question, um, we know that you are the 2018-2019 Teacher of the Year for our college, which is a huge honor. And we're all so excited that you are um, because you are a wonderful teacher here. Um, And so we wanted to ask, what do you think helps make you such a successful educator here in our college? So that's like a really great question, but it's so hard because in, in my, in my personal opinion, I think that I am surrounded by the most amazing faculty ever. And just to have the opportunity to practice with them and to educate with them is like a huge honor for me. I mean, I feel like I'm a, around some of the most brilliant minds here at UF. Uh, But to be honored with the Teacher of the Year has probably been one of the most humbling things I've, I've, I don't know, been through, gone through, whatever you want to say. I don't know. Um, So I feel like we're all Teachers of the Year all the time (laughs) because there's, everybody's just so awesome. 
But to have that honor is, number one, it's very humbling. Um, Number two, I'm just so honored that I would even be considered in this group of people who are amazing. Um, And you said, what, what did you, what did you ask me? Okay. So sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Like, (laughs) no, it's, it's, um, it's great to hear though, too. I think from a lot of our faculty that all of you do have such passion, you know, to come to work every day and get to work with the people you work with. So it's always, I think, gratifying as a student to hear from the people you're learning from that you are enjoying this experience of being able to teach us and to work with the people that you work with. Right. Um, I think mostly we would just like to know, do you think there's like a special quality when you're teaching that you find in yourself that helps you kind of take that next step with students or when you see the learning click or something that you do that kind of helps with that success? So first off, you said it already when you said passion. Um, I love teaching. I don't know if y'all can tell that, but like (laughs) I really love teaching and I'd love to get to teach other topics than community pharmacy. But my passion comes with community pharmacy because that's what I've been doing for over 20 Mm -hmm. years. You know, as a pharmacy technician, when I was in when I went to pharmacy school to being a pharmacy intern to then going straight into working in a community pharmacy. But I'm really passionate about it because I, I really believe that community pharmacists are really positioned to make a huge difference in the lives of their patients and their patients' families. So I'm coming at teaching with a lot of passion for what I do because I believe it's important to train that next generation of pharmacists to to be my pharmacist when I am going to need a pharmacist, Right. But I also feel like it's super important as a faculty and as a teacher to connect with our students outside of the classroom uh, because I I feel like it's important for us to be transparent. I feel like it's important for us to show you guys like we're real people, too. We have families, we have struggles, but we're just we're just doing our best and making it through. But we're passionate about why we're here and what we're doing here. And then the other thing is just reading the students. That sounds like a weird thing, like reading you like you're a book, right? That's not what I mean. What I mean is reading you in the classroom, like looking across the classroom here in Gainesville or looking at you guys on the screen and seeing when you are kind of zoning out to me, I think is really important. Like it's it's, stretch time. Yeah, because then it's time to stand (laughs) up and get the blood flowing, right? Um, But it's, it's important. It's important for us to look out and go, okay, we need a break. Because we can't stand in a classroom and do active learning for four hours. I mean, what the heck? That is so long. And we're tired, too. But there's four of us, right? So we're rotating through. But you are there's just y'all. And you're having to listen to all these people. So it's important for us to read you guys and say, okay, it's time for a break. Okay, we need to shift gears now. Or wait, we need to spend extra time talking about this. Because clearly, not everybody's getting it. Or how about, okay, everybody gets it. Let's keep going. Right. So keep the train moving. Yeah. yeah, Let's roll. Let's roll people. So um, being aware of your students and their needs and really getting to know students outside of the classroom are probably some of the most important things that I find helpful um, to being successful as an educator. And I like to have a good time, y'all. So that that's kind of fun. Well, too. We have a good time when you're in the classroom with us. And I'm always OK. So earlier I asked Riley, I asked you. Okay, you're like, oh, I love it when you're in the classroom because you're engaging. I'm like, yeah, but there's some people who are like, oh, my gosh, she's too much. But it's not it's not about being too much or not being enough. It's about making sure what you're teaching is important, making sure you're effective, making sure you're keeping people's attention. 
and making sure that your students understand that you want them to learn this information and that it's important mm-hmm. to your success as a pharmacist. So really engaging and staying engaged to me is also another key yeah. element. And of course, communication is key, key. right? It's key, yep. That's and right. I know you always talk about too, how when you're in there, you're like, oh my gosh, I must be crazy. But at the same time, doing, I guess, quote unquote, crazy things makes something memorable. So like even for me as a student, like I still remember knowing that any OTC recommendation, you can probably give saline because I remember you right. on the screen, you know, with your finger near your nose and you're like, this is how they're going to do this. Right. This right. is how you're going to counsel for this. Um, yeah. So being crazy sometimes might be the method to make it memorable. That would be patient care three, two PD here. Um, so in speaking of being involved in where you are in our college, um, we know that as professionals, you are also involved in professional organizations yes. in pharmacy. Mm-hmm. So we'd like to know what is your involvement with other professional organizations and what do you think is the significance of that outside involvement? How does it develop you as a professional? So I'm going to have I'm going to give you two two different areas because this kind of wise off. Um, number one, I'm involved in NCPA. Um, because, of course, I'm a community pharmacist. Mm-hmm. I'm also the faculty advisor for that at the Gainesville campus. So I think it's important for me to be involved in that organization outside of campus and inside of campus and some of the faculty advisor. I'm also um, involved in AACP, the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy. We have an annual meeting. It happens once a year in July. And I think it's super involved to stay involved, um, stay active within AACP. <laughs> it's okay, so, we're tired. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> to stay active in AACP so we are leveling up in education, right? So knowing what's coming down the pipe, um, knowing what's new, what's hip, what's working, what's not, and then just bringing what I'm learning at that annual meeting into the classroom. I'm also involved in FSHP here in the state of Florida, FPA. I'm a member of FPA. I'm not as active in either of those. FSHP, I did speak this year at our annual meeting, which was just down in Orlando, Florida. And then Alashua County Pharmacists Association, also another um, important thing to be involved in because it's right here in our county Mm -hmm. and it's pharmacists here in Alashua County, Gainesville area. And so we have students who come to that meeting or those meetings and there are monthly meetings here in Gainesville. Um, as far as other things that I've also involved in, I, of course, have been involved in APHA since I graduated from pharmacy school. American Pharmacists Association is the largest pharmacy association that all of us could be involved in. And I would highly encourage, even if you don't want to be an active member, for you to go ahead and join now as a pharmacy student. Mm-hmm. And then be just stay aware because they keep us updated on what's going on nationally, whereas the Florida Pharmacy Association helps us stay in the know of what's going on within our state. Mm-hmm. So if you had to choose two, of course, national APHA and state, either um, FPA or FSHP, both are fabulous. And what would, what would you say to a student? Because I know a lot of times we will be members as students, but then when you graduate, life gets really busy. Crazy. And now right? you're working all the time. Right? So what would you say, I guess, to encourage a student who is graduating then for the importance of staying involved after your time in the college? That's so, okay, so great question. How will you know what's going on nationally within our profession if you're not involved? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't mean, when I say involved, I don't mean like you're going to the annual meeting, you're doing all this stuff, but just as a member, you get all this national information about what's going on within the profession of pharmacy. Mm -hmm. And then in our state, 
Why do you need to be involved in one state organization so you know what's happening in our state with our Florida administrative codes that are getting updated and our statutes, which are getting updated? I mean, especially with everything with the opioid crisis and what are we doing and what are our state laws and how are they changing? What are what's changing nationally? So it's important for us to know what's going on in our profession, in our state and nationally. That's why it's important. Of course, you get CEs as well, and we all have to have continuing education. So it's another easy way to stay in the know about what's going on with continuing education, what our requirements are for the state, and then also what would be important nationally. I think, too, what you said about the state as well, that's the state you're going to be practicing in. Correct. So all those changes, all those updates, everything that's coming your way is something that will affect you. That's right. In your daily work life. Absolutely. So it's definitely going to come into play. Um, so our last question for you today is about mentorship. And so we know that that is a really influential part of student development that we foster here at UF. And you seem to have a natural ability to connect with our students, I think, on all campuses because everyone knows you and we get to experience you in our first year. Um, so we were going to ask, what is the best way for students that you think um, to approach the mentoring process when they're looking for someone to help them with their professional development? Well, you're all assigned, right? Your career coach. Is Mm -hmm. that what they're calling it now? Career coach. I think you have, so you have a faculty advisor, you get a career coach. Right. I think those are the required. Right. And then then you, they, some student organizations have some other things too. They might have voluntary voluntary things that you can get involved in. So I think the first thing is get to know your faculty advisor, number one. Uh, If you've been assigned a faculty advisor, which everyone has, know them. Look them up on our website and know who they are and what they do in our college. Why? Because you may need someone one day who's going to step out on a limb for you or need you may need them if uh, something significant comes up. I know I personally find it very fulfilling to get to know the students who I am their faculty advisor because I like to know who you guys are too and I like to know what's going on in your background. It's been from these relationships that I've built that I've been able to help so many students. I've actually actually had students who've changed to me when other faculty have left UF or if they really didn't connect with their faculty mm-hmm. advisor. Um, but find the people that you connect with. Find people in our college who are doing what you want to do when you grow up and connect with them because they can help you navigate the path to where they are. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's super important. But really having people who you trust. So I personally, I'm going to tell you about my own personal experience. I always wanted like a mentor. Oh, I need a mentor who's going to help me. And what I found out is I never had one. I thought, well, I've never had an official mentor. But you know what I did realize is that I've had multiple mentors, people who I have respect for, people who I look up to, people who I trust, people who can be honest with me, even if it hurts, right? Who can say, yeah, okay, if you want me to be perfectly honest with you, um, I don't think you should do that. Or maybe you should change this or that. But people who you can be honest with and who can be honest back to you. I have what's called a personal board of directors. So these are, (laughs) that's awesome, right? Hello. All of you should have your own personal board of directors who are people you trust. 
I, the people who sit on my personal board of directors, A, was my mom. She was my president of my personal board of directors. She passed away 15 years ago, so she doesn't sit on it anymore. But all of her wisdom that she shared with me growing up has stayed with me forever. So her sister, my aunt, Brenda, is on my personal board of directors. I have my best friend, Jennifer Sparks, who is in Branson, Missouri, sits on my personal board of directors. I have another friend of mine, Teresa Beener. She's a senior vice president of a telecom company. Um, she sits on my personal board of directors. I should tell you, my friend Jennifer Sparks, she's a headhunter in New York City in a firm. She recruits like CFOs, CEOs, mm-hmm. and CIOs of big, huge corporations. Um, and then, so those are three. My Aunt Brenda, just FYI, backing this up, she has worked in healthcare for over 30 years. And then here at the college, I have a few people who actually work here who sit on my personal board of directors. Dr. Burring, Undine Burring, sits on my personal board of directors. She kind of ha- helps me navigate um, the academic world and things that I need to do or update or change. And then Dr. Michelle Farland sits on my personal board of directors. She also kind of is someone that I trust and can bounce ideas off of. And then um, I also want to tell you Shana Miller at the Orlando campus. She's another person. And Dr. Joshua Pulo, um, also Orlando campus. So those are kind of the two people that the three of us bounce so many things off of each other. And then I have other people who I can trust, who I completely um, trust that they're going to be honest with me always and I with them. They're people who I respect. And of course, they're people who I love. And then, of course, the president of that board, personal board of directors is my most wonderful husband, Ryan Curtis, who ultimately helps me make a lot of decisions. But find your personal board of directors. They don't have to be family. They don't have to be your best friends. They do have to be people who you really care about and people who really care about you. So does that help? Does that answer it that does. question? It does. It does a lot. And I think it says something, too, about how we might see one person and right. all the things that they're doing. Um, but we might not realize how much influence and all the question asking and everything that goes behind that and all the help that we receive from those around us and how important it is to find those people in our lives. Because I think a lot of times, um, and I even forget it sometimes too, thinking that we need to do it all by ourselves. Right. And that all those projects and all those things going on in your life are something that you have to take care of completely. And it's not, there's a lot of other people. Girl, it takes a village. Mm -hmm. It doesn't (laughs) just take a village to raise children, but it takes a village to do everything in life. Listen, our most important asset is is our people like who are your people and do you trust them do they do you trust them with your your thoughts your decisions and do they trust you back it has to be mutual it mm-hmm. can't be one-sided so finding your people is important and having a mentor a singular mentor does it really even happen just one mentor i think really it's multiple mentors and then they come in different seasons of your life some for a season some for a specific reason, and some for your lifetime. So finding those people is really important, and it's critical for your continued personal and professional (laughs) development. (laughs) See what you did there. Yeah. Did you see Um, how I did that? (laughs) I think it's also to, and even hearing, you know, the people that you're talking about in your life, it's something that can be done formally and officially as, okay, you're my mentor. Right. Like I do with Dr. Burring, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, she is that official person here. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Michelle Farland, also my official person here. But then outside of that, I have all these unofficial people 
who are like, listen, girl, you need to blah, blah, blah. Give you the truths of life. Yes. 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 I think we all need that. Yes, we do. So I think that wraps that up for us today. Um, I want to thank you for your time um, and for having this conversation with us. And thank you for all of those who are listening. No, thank you, Riley, (laughs) for doing this with me. And thank you for all the people who listen. And thank you for all the people who participate. And honestly, the only thing I would leave all of you with is don't forget communication is key, right? And everything we do. And don't forget that that nonverbal communication, that smile should go along with it all the time. Thank you very much. Thanks, Riley. Thank you for listening to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. Tune in for our next episode where we'll be featuring Dr. Waith of RX Radio and VUCA Health. With them, we'll be discussing the topic of digital health. Until next time.